Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and joining me for his weekly segment, Taylor Silva. Taylor, what's going on? What's up, David? How was the break? Break was good. You know, it was short with playing hoops. We're back on campus. We only have Wednesday and Thursday off, but Thanksgiving at home was good. Uh, great to see the family and back on campus. School started. We got one more week before finals. That's always the, the final push. I'm sure you remember those days very fondly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, just good to be here and good to be back talking football. We took last week off because of the holiday. And we're just I'm just super excited to get into this because now we're in the conference championship weekend and there's so much at stake now. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this weekend. This is one of my favorite weekends of the year for sure because there's so many great games and and usually it's, it's chaos. I don't know how much chaos we'll get this year, but it's still exciting So we got a couple great matchups for sure. Yes, and there's definitely chaos potential, and we'll get into that all in a little bit. But first, we got to jump into what happened this past Saturday it was rivalry week in college football, and this is one of my favorite weeks of the year just because it's all the best games that we all love to see. First and foremost, we just have to talk about the game, the Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State's domination over the team up north continues, Taylor. What do you make of what you make of the game? What And just what do you make of the whole Ohio State team this year they they I mean they dominated they dominated the game I thought they they played exceptional throughout the season they uh they had a lot more athletes than I thought you could see I mean speeds all over the field they're very physical for sure and they they dominated Michigan uh I thought that was going to be a close game Michigan, it kind of seemed like it was this was their opportunity if they were going to get it, and it just didn't happen. It's kind of that. I think it was what Shea's fumble in like the second quarter in the red zone or something that kind of just like changed the whole entire game. But uh, yeah, Ohio State's been very impressive. They, uh, I don't know if I, uh, I don't know. It's Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson are just in a different different level than everybody else right now and i don't know if they're the best team for sure but uh they they're definitely in the conversation for sure and ohio state is one of the the remaining teams that puts the stickers on the helmets uh to signal good performances which is one of my favorite traditions in in college football and jk dobbins the the star running back he, they may have to buy some some extra stickers for him. This guy had 31 carries for 211 yards and four touchdowns. He was a machine. Michigan couldn't stop him, which is interesting because you think about the Big Ten as a really good defensive conference and that they can really stop the run because you got a lot of these cold-weather schools and stuff like you know bully football and stuff that they can really stop the run. Michigan couldn't stop a nosebleed on on Saturday, Ohio State put up 56 points again. Justin Fields was awesome. I just, you know, you're watching this and like you're pulling for Michigan because they're the underdog, but it's just so lopsided right right now that I don't know what really can happen in the short term because it's just it's all going to be recruiting and developing, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's and it's not stopping either. Ohio State's recruiting is just going to keep going. Uh, see, so yeah, I saw some. I was looking at like the the recruiting earlier, and it said that right now Michigan has eight commitments in the top three hundred. Ohio State has sixteen. It says Michigan has zero commitments of so five stars right now, and Ohio State has two. So it's just they're just out recruiting them right now. They've got better players, and it's just I, I don't I don't know when the end's going to be in sight, honestly. And also, you would, Harbaugh when he first came to Michigan, he got a lot of the fanfare and the put and the publicity for the little recruiting stunts he was pulling by. I think he slept over at someone's house. He was showing up and playing, like, pickup basketball with these guys. Like, he was basically making the rounds and showing he was this really fun guy. I don't know why he's necessarily stopped doing that, but the the recruiting just has to, you know, if, if they want to compete with the elite in college football, they have to be able to recruit with the elite. And it's amazing that Ohio State is able to do this year in and year out when they can't really offer playing time to true freshmen most of the time just because they have so many good players. Yeah, I just I, he needs to be they need to be doing something, honestly, recruiting. Uh, they, they were kind of going for I mean, it seemed like it was, you know, just like a fun place to come play football at. And that's that's kind of what they were doing. You know, we, we go on these trips and stuff like that and I don't know. They, like you said, they kind of just stopped. I, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if it's something with NCAA or what. But they, yeah, they need to they need to find something quick because they they're losing too many recruits to their rivals, and that that's not it's not going to help them in the future. And you know, I want to say that Michigan is really far behind them, but all it takes is just one quarterback. They still haven't found their quarterback yet, and people thought it'd be Shea Patterson when he transferred in from from Ole Miss, but he was 18 for 43 on Saturday. He's been up and down, especially with this transition to the, with the new offensive coordinator to a more of a uh, spread offense. It's been really tough on him in that whole offense. It's been a slower adjustment than I think a lot of people expected, especially in comparison to how LSU changed systems and Joe Burrow became a Heisman candidate, and we'll talk about him in a second, but... If if you put if, if if you just look in comparison of who the Michigan quarterbacks have been the last four or five years compared to the Ohio State quarterbacks that they've been able to to start in this game, it's not really a surprise that Michigan can't can't compete. Yes, I mean they're uh, yeah the past four years. I mean, what it was Braxton, it was uh, JT Barrett. It was uh, Burrow and then Haskins. Yeah, I think those are their last four quarterbacks. I mean, those are four <laughs> NFL players right there. So, I'd, yeah, they, the quarterback is the main position. And uh, Michigan has not found found their guy. I don't know. I mean, they're probably gonna, still going to – I mean, they'll be hoping on McCaffrey for next year too. I don't know how that's going to pan out. But, you know, they, they, they've got to find somebody. McCaffrey could be the guy. I just, I'm not sure. I haven't really seen enough from him yet to – you know, make make that claim. I would I would keep an eye out for the uh, either the grad transfer or those or, or the tr- quarterback transfer uh, market for Michigan. I think they'll be really really aggressive in trying to go out because now we you know Justin Fields shows up at Ohio State and he was awesome. Uh, Jacob Eason shows up at Washington. The quarterbacks are moving around and it seems like they can all get eligible immediately. 
So, and Shea Patterson got, got that too when he went to Michigan. I could see them going back in that and trying to just try again. And I know Patterson hasn't really worked out, but go after one of these top, top, top players again and just hoping it works out for, for the best. But last thing on Michigan, Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh's future has been talked about a lot. We've mentioned it a lot on this podcast. It's going to be talked about even more as we get into that month where there's no real college football between like the conference championship games and the big bowl games. What do you think Harbaugh's future is? He's 47 and 16 right now in his career at Michigan. Do you think he comes back? Do you think there's too much pressure that from the alumni and the boosters that they'll have to move on from him? Kind of where do you stand on Jim Harbaugh right now? Uh, I think it's real tough. I think he's in a kind of a sticky situation right now where it seems like he's getting pressure because they're kind of tired of, you know, tired of what, what's been happening the past few years. And I just, uh, I still think he's a good coach. I don't know how, I mean, I don't know if he's the best as, I mean, everybody kind of talked up, talked him up to be the, uh, whenever he got the Michigan job, but I just, I, I think it's a weird situation. We were, uh, kind of talking at the office today, just, just, you know, just, just kind of spitballing. But uh, uh, somebody brought up, I think, a, a good option if he did leave would be the Redskins. I think that would be a, a great fit for him. I think that would be – I mean, he'd have a quarterback that possibly I mean, with Haskins. Uh, I think that would be a good situation. I don't know. If, I think it's – I think they both need a fresh start, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. And it might be, it might be time for him to start looking at something else. I would also like to throw in my New York Giants for that one, uh, <laughs> that'd be, yeah. especially because yeah, be cool. Danny Dimes has looked a lot better than Dwayne Haskins has early on in their NFL careers, but I would love to see Harbaugh rocking some khakis on the sideline of uh, MetLife Stadium. <laughs> so, so moving on, we're going to talk about my number one team. I know Ohio State is officially ranked number one, but my number one team, LSU dominated Texas A&M to the tune of a 50-7 to victory. D- did Joe Burrow clinch the Heisman this weekend with that another absolutely dominant performance? Yeah, I, I think he did. Uh, I've seen a lot of media members say that, you know, wait till the wait till these championship games play this weekend, but I think he's done enough. I, I don't see anybody jumping him. I, I don't see... Uh, Fields or Chase Young getting it. Uh, I think Joe Burrow has been the best player in the nation this year, and I think it's it should be a no brainer. He deserves it. He's what he's done for this LSU team, and just, I mean, it's the numbers he's putting up. It's it's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, so for reference, this past weekend he went twenty three of thirty two for three hundred fifty two yards and three more touchdowns. That, I mean. In the SEC, like, he's doing this against some of the best defenses in the whole country. And so his 2019 stats going into this championship game against Georgia, he has 4,366 yards, 44 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Against, Against AP top 25 teams, he's 111 for 114, that's a completion percentage, folks, of 80% for 
of almost 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and two interceptions. That's just absurd. <laughs> it's ridiculous. 80, 80%. That is, that is absurd. And just so... And, the thing, and he's, he's throwing the ball down the field, too. That, that's the thing. Like, if we got his... Uh, if we had a stat on his uh, yards per completion, too, I, I, I bet you it's probably 11, at least 10 or 11. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's... And he's doing it, you know, people want to know, okay, the AP top 25 teams. That's like he's doing this against Alabama. He's doing it against Auburn. He's doing it against Florida. He's doing it against the best in the SEC. And as you said, throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible to see him. And, I mean, paired with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, I mean, I'd I think Chase will probably win the Blitnikoff too. So just him and then Edwards, uh, Hilaire in the, uh, the running game. I mean, they just they've opened up everything perfectly for him, and he's he's feasted, making incredible throws. And it looks like he's set up to be probably that first overall pick too, or in discussion for it for sure. And and just for reference too, just talk about how one quarterback can change everything in a system. LSU has historically, under Les Miles and in the first few years of under Coach O, has not been known for their offensive explosiveness. LSU is 12-0. They have scored 50 or more points in six of their wins up, up to this point. They, they are blowing teams out and beating teams in shootouts and with their offense and their defense. This is a, you know... This 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 is a complete football team, and I think they are the best team in the country. I think they're going to win the national championship, and I think Joe Burrow, as you said, is going to then ride the national championship wave into the first overall pick. Yeah, uh, I think he. I think they're set up for something special this year. I mean, he's uh, he, he became the first player in SEC history to pass for over four thousand yards and forty touchdowns, and. I mean, I can't even count. I mean, I wish I had the number in front of me of how many LSU records he set. But it's, I mean, he completely changed what their team has been all about and it looks like what their future is going to be. And he's, he was, I mean, you can say he's probably he's probably the face of, of how he changed LSU. And it looks like they're, hopefully their magical season can keep going. For sure. So we both think Bro has clinched the Heisman. Number one pick, very likely. Next, yep. next big rivalry. This one very close to your heart, the Iron Bowl. Kind of, kind of, just talk about what this means for the players on both sides going into this week, because because you've lived the rivalry week in a way that most people haven't. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... It means it means a lot, honestly. We growing up in Alabama. I mean, you you either pick a team and you hate Auburn or you hate Alabama, and it's uh, we just they're they're so passionate about it. Seriously, it's it's just different. It's hard to explain, but it it it's it's like life or death. Honestly, it's uh, when you lose to Auburn, it's devastating. Uh, and same way as an Auburn fan losing to Bama, it's something that. What the what the uh, schools schools bring these coaches into for? I mean, that's why I mean Gus has been on the hot seat, and this this might have saved his job because he's got his third win over Nick Saban, 
and there's not another active coach that can say that. So, uh, isn't that it's, is, isn't that crazy? Like Dabo Sweeney has two wins, but the guy who has more wins against Saban is Gus Malzahn. Yep, <laughs> he's like he's like wild. who's like every week seems like he's on the verge of being fired. Yeah, that's that, that's what that's what I'm getting at. It makes no sense that I mean the only guy that, I mean has proven to beat Saban multiple times. They they want him out of the city for some reason because I mean not winning a national championship that's not good enough. Even though I mean. I mean, you've beaten Nick Saban three times, which is very – people can't say they've done that. He's the only one. So so when you talk about how you choose a side and you hate one side and you either hate Alabama or, or hate Auburn, do, do, do the fans down there hate the other school more than they love their own? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I bet they're – I definitely think there are some like that for sure. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I could, I could see it. I personally don't, but it's yeah, that that rivalry is that strong where yeah, they they definitely definitely can hate the other team more. Because because I know as a huge Yankee fan that when the rivalry with the Red Sox is really intense and they're both really good, like I sometimes get more joy watching them fail than watching my, my Yankees succeed. <laughs> Yeah, I completely understand that. Uh, I, I remember rooting for Florida State when Auburn was in the national championship. Just, <laughs> just didn't want them to win for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 kind of now we, were, we can actually talk about what actually happened on the field. Mac Jones, I played really well. I thought he had that interception at the goal line, which was tough, but. He completed his passes. He was 26 for 39, 335 yards, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, which hurts, but he was moving the ball down the field. I thought he played a great game. Uh, besides, the, I mean, besides those two throws and, like you said, the one at the, uh, at the end zone, I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, just unlucky bounce that it bounced right in his arms. But uh, I thought he played great in that kind of environment. Like, like I said, it's – you haven't been there. It's it's a different story. It's something crazy stuff goes down down in Auburn whenever they play in that Iron Bowl. And uh, I thought he I thought he played incredible, running the ball, getting first downs too. I uh, just I think he showed that he. I mean, he wasn't phased by throwing that first pick. He kept firing and and seemed very very confident, not shaking at all to me. So I would I I, I think I mean. As long as Tua doesn't come out, uh, come uh, come back, I think he's probably the starter next year. Or somebody in in spring's got to do something really, really special to beat him out because he he impressed me, and I think he impressed a lot of people. Yeah, it's definitely going to be Mac Jones next year or Tua's younger brother. I think is also a quarterback down there, uh, which would be interesting if they go from Tua to Tua's younger brother. Uh, they also they they have this Bryce Young. He's uh. He's a quarterback from California that uh, I think he's the number yes, six overall right. player yeah. in the nation. So he's, they say he's really good. I haven't seen him yet either, but I, I mean, every weekend I feel like I've been seeing he's been putting up six, seven touchdowns. So he's, I think he's coming in too, thinking he might be able to play. Wow. And then just on, on, on the Auburn side, I still don't know what to make of Bo Nix. <laughs> like, he, he won, but. It wasn't always that easy on the eyes. No. And luckily, he's a true freshman. He's got a, he's got a lot of time, and hopefully, he can 
build off this game and build off this win and get better. But, you know, when guys aren't that accurate, I feel like accuracy is a really tough thing to get better at. Yeah, speaking yeah, speaking yeah. as someone who has never played a down of football. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't throw the football either, so I can't really say that. But uh, it's something you can't can't really. I mean, you can teach it. You got to practice a lot, but it's it's you got to work on it, and that's something he needs to work on his accuracy. But I, I still think he played pretty well too. Uh, that's still a tough game. That's something. I mean, he was probably probably been dreaming about playing it since he was a little kid and uh i think he's still still got a chance to be a really special player for auburn for the next uh next few years for them and even though i sounded down on on bo Nix, i do think he's a prime time player because he won that game against oregon at the beginning of the season i think that was technically week zero when when they won that game and then he wins this one the guy shows up when it matters the most which is rare for a true freshman yeah, and like I said, this game, I mean, this this one means more to him than anything. I mean, just beating beating Auburn, I think I heard, I was listening to the local radio station this morning, and I think uh, I think he heard that he brought the game ball around everywhere he went, didn't let it out of his arms, because, I mean, it just mattered that much to him. Uh, he took it to the uh, post-game press conference and that kind of stuff, but it just it just shows how much this, this one game for when you're, when you're from Alabama and you love a team so much, it's just... Iron bolts, it's it's different. Yeah, and, and this game is just a reminder of why we love rivalries so much as as sports fans because it's you know, I love watching the game from afar, but I'm not as invested in it. But rivalries are one of those things where it doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is, if you're in it, that's what makes the most that, that it's the greatest feeling in the world that when when you beat your rival, no matter if a hundred million people care if it's like Real Madrid versus Barcelona or if it's, you know, your high school rival. It If you're yeah. in it, it matters. Yeah, it's just those bragging rights that it, it means a lot for sure. So moving on, last big rivalry game that we're going to mention, Wisconsin-Minnesota. I think P.J. Fleck, Coach, Coach P.J. Fleck at Minnesota's phrase that he likes to use is rowing the boat, right? That's him? Mm-hmm. Well, the boat has sunk this year on, on the Minnesota <laughs> Golden Gophers. We are officially capsized. Uh, back-to-back losses against Iowa and now Wisconsin. Ruined their playoff chances when they were undefeated, obviously. And praise, all, all the praise goes to Wisconsin. I thought they played pretty well. Jonathan Taylor showed up. He had 76 yards and two touchdowns, only on 18 carries. Uh, and, you know, Wisconsin deserved, I, I thought Wisconsin deserved to win the game. They went out, they proved it, and they deserved a rematch with Ohio State. Yeah, they. I, I didn't get to see a lot of the game, but, yeah, they – from what I saw, they, they kind of – they were just a little more physical. They kind of just – they made the plays when they needed to, and they just – everybody seemed like they did their job. Uh, it's kind of – I mean, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, I kind of predicted, you know, Minnesota was going to kind of fall off these last couple weeks. I said the loss to Iowa and then this loss. But uh, I think 
I think they're right there. I think uh, PJ Fleck and and he's he's, he's showing what he can bring, and uh, I think their team's going to be pretty good next year. Maybe not. I mean, uh, I still think they got a shot to contend for sure next year, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, you were all over Minnesota. I bought into the hype. I was I was I was on the boat. I was I was rowing it. You know. <laughs> I was I was the captain of the ship and you were like easy easy like I was good and still got Wisconsin I was like no nah, they they're going all the way but uh you were definitely right about that one but let's just jump right into it then for the conference championships Wisconsin Ohio State part 2 Does Wisconsin have any chance of knocking off Goliath? Uh no, I I don't see it. Uh, I think they got. I mean, I just I don't see it. I think they got a shot maybe to keep it close in the beginning, but uh, just, Ohio State's going to come out and they're they're going to keep keep showing that they belong. They want to be undefeated in this playoff, and they they this Big Ten championship matters to them. I just don't I don't see a way for Wisconsin to be able to move the ball on them. I think that they've. Uh, they protected the run too too well this year, and, and it's going to force Wisconsin to throw the ball. And those Ohio State DBs are just they're too good in coverage and, and man. So I just I, I don't see it. So I'm looking at ESPN right now, just a list of all the games this weekend, and they have the line at Ohio State is a 16 and a half point favorite in the conference championship. Wow. That's not as crazy as some of the other lines that we'll mention in a second, but I think that as you said, it's it's going to be I, – I don't see it, but I think Wisconsin's biggest chance, and you hate to say this, but you know Justin Fields did get banged up this past weekend at Michigan. If he's not 100%, they have a chance because if he's not 100% and he's not as dynamic and maybe he turns the ball over once or twice, maybe Wisconsin they, – they just have to keep it close. They just have to keep it close and just let the chaos and just put them in a situation where something crazy could happen. But they just yeah. can't let Ohio State build up a lead. And I, and I think, as you said, it's so hard to move the ball on, on Ohio State. Maybe they just have to get really creative and throw in a bunch of trick plays and just do anything they, they can to move the ball because the traditional style of offense, Ohio State has proven they can stop anyone in that way. Maybe Wisconsin has to go into their bag of tricks and start – Getting you know the Boise State 2007 versus Oklahoma playbook out. Yeah, that was that was a good point with uh, the Fields injury. I forgot about that. He did kind of look banged up at the end, but uh, I I haven't even looked at the lines this week. I didn't know it was that big 16, 16 and a half. That's that's a big spread for this game. But I think it shows that how much Vegas respects Ohio State and thinks how how much. How much just better they are to the number what eight eight ranked team in the nation? I think they are Wisconsin. But uh, I, yeah, like you said, I, I just I think Ohio State is too too much too much for this Wisconsin team. I think Wisconsin's played a good a good season, and they'll they'll probably head where they to the Rose Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's, I just I think Ohio State's going to be too much. I think they'll probably honestly I think they're I think they'll end up governing that 16 points. So we both, so we both have Ohio State in, in the Big Ten championship. Mm-hmm. The most ridiculous line maybe I have ever seen 
And to be fair, I don't look at lines like that religiously, NCAA rules and all, uh, and the fact that I don't have the money or the <laughs> will to risk it all and lose it. Um, Smart. Clemson is 28.5-point favorites over Virginia. This game is at 7.30 on ABC. I don't even know what to say. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Good gracious. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I think Clemson deserves the respect for sure, but 28 points, four touchdowns in a championship game, that's I mean, against that's a, gotta be unheard of. Against a very good Virginia team. Obviously, this Virginia team isn't great by any means. They're very flawed. But they're a solid football team. They're a good football team. And I think it's just the respect that Vegas is showing to Clemson of saying, this team is ridiculous. And even though the, the committee keeps having them at, at number three and not in that top two, that Vegas is clearly like Clemson is so much better than any other ACC team. It's absurd. Yeah, it's, I mean... Uh, like you said, this this is showing how much Vegas respects them, and I mean, Clemson's Clemson's coming. I, I, I know we're talking about LSU, but I still I'm so scared. I, mean, I think Clemson. I think uh, I think Clemson's the team. I think they're the ones nobody's talking about, and I still I, I mean, I would not be shocked. Trevor Lawrence is holding that trophy up right at the end again. So they're just slyly, uh, silently just sliding under the table right now, and nobody's nobody's talking about them. So Virginia has they're, they're nine and three, they've they've lost to Louisville, at Louisville, at Miami, at Notre Dame, and they the Miami and Louisville games were very close. Those are not that you know terrible losses. You wish Miami was was a little better, but Louisville was seven and five this year. Obviously Notre Dame's in in the top ten, very good. I think Virginia is going to surprise some people, play well the first quarter and a half. But as you said, just Trevor Lawrence, once he gets in a groove, it's it's almost just unfair. Yeah, it's, I mean. Because the guy can make every throw. He, he can legitimately make every throw at six foot six. Yep. And, Anywhere on the field. And the, one of the things that I, I think is when we talk about college quarterbacks and when we evaluate them, it so much has to do with the receivers because Trevor Lawrence looks really good because his receivers are really good because the receivers can get open and they run plays. Like it's a, it's definitely, you know, a both sides of the coin thing. Like he makes the receivers look really good, but also the receivers are making plays that Lawrence can trust them and they can run complex stuff because they can get open against anyone. Yeah, T. Higgins and Justin are awesome. I mean, they, they, yeah, they, they're. I mean, they're they're NFL players too. They they can catch anything and get get around anybody. And like I said, Trevor can put it anywhere he wants. They just that's a team that I mean, they there's a reason they haven't been beaten in what I mean over a year now. So they like they're still here. They're 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 knocking on the door again. Yeah, I mean, ever since the UNC scare where they won by one point on the failed two-point conversion by Carolina, they beat Florida State by 31, they beat Louisville by 35, Boston College by 52, Wofford by 50, by 45, 
NC State by 45, Wake by 49, and South Carolina by 35. That's a lot of points, Taylor. <laughs> that is a lot Dominant. of points. Dominant. Dominant. And <laughs> none yep. of those games were ever close. No. They, they, they needed that North Carolina scare. And I just said, <laughs> I woke them up, and it, it woke the beast for sure. And I think it's ridiculous how Dabo's like, you know, if we lost a game, we'd be ranked number 20. It's like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. You'd be I mean, ranked five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's just he's just you know just saying that. I think he's definitely trying to uh, motivate his team to keep to keep keep winning and just not looking ahead. But uh, yeah, that's we For all sure. know that's not true. For I mean, sure. <laughs> even if the, even if they lost as four touchdown favors this weekend, I think they'd still they'd still be there. Yeah, for sure. So we both have Clemson in in this one. Uh, next game. Georgia LSU SEC championship LSU is a touchdown favorite in this one uh I think LSU is going to win this I think they're going to dominate uh maybe not dominant dominate but I think Joe Burrow is going to be electric and elite in this one uh the game is in Georgia which is always a factor for for the for UG uh for UGA because they get a lot of fans there so it's kind of a road game type atmosphere i think which could be interesting but i mean if georgia wins they're in the playoff and it's would be a chance for kirby smart to prove that hey we not only are we really really good but we aren't that third team that they can get back in the playoff after that that great team two years ago when Fromm was a freshman yeah they uh it's going to be a great game this weekend, too. Uh, I think LSU is going to be too much for them. Like you said, I, I, just, I don't think Georgia has the weapons on offense right now. They, they, I think George Pickens, too, their top receiver, uh, he got ejected last game, I think, for throwing a punch. So I don't know if yep. he's suspended for the full, the full game. Do you know? Uh, uh, I, I definitely think he's suspended for at least a half. And it's such a stupid okay. play. You're, you're up 50. You're winning. You, in a game, you end up winning 52 to 7. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, there's no excuse for that. That's just pretty ridiculous, even if he is a freshman. Uh, yeah, it says he's just going to miss the first half. But still, that's, I mean, that's a big deal. I think if LSU, I think if LSU puts up 30 points, I think it's over. I don't think Georgia can score that many, even, I mean, even if they had Pickens for a full game. I just, I think we've seen this Georgia team all year long, and it's defense only. Their defense is legit. I, I, they, they, are, they are very, very legit. Uh, they got, I think it's J.R. Reed and uh, I'm going blank on the other DB, but uh, they yeah their their defense is, is so good it's uh that's what's been carrying this team and I just I don't see much from the offensive side. Fromm's kind of been pretty inconsistent and inaccurate and uh, it's pretty much just Swift and a couple of the O line that's kind of just carried them and I just I think 30 points is the number for LSU and. If they get that, it's over. I agree, but just for just just for you know food food for thought, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Of the three top twenty-five teams that they've played, or really top fifteen teams, they played Notre Dame. They gave up seventeen points. They gave when they played at Auburn, they gave up fourteen points, and when they played home against Florida, they gave up seventeen. This defense is, as you said, ridiculously good. 
they can keep their offense in games and obviously they haven't played anyone as good as Joe Burrow. But I wouldn't count out that defense. I I love Burrow so much. I think you're right that that LSU is, is going to win and their offense too much. I think 24 is is the number of points because I don't think LSU because I don't think Georgia can score with them because if if you look at their games they put up they've only scored more than 30 points uh one two three four times and they're against Georgia Tech who's not very good Arkansas State not power five and Murray State not power five and Tennessee who is a barely functional college football team uh, uh yeah I mean there's like you said Offense can't score points. I will say though, Tennessee, Tennessee's Tennessee's playing better. I don't okay, know. I don't okay, know if fair, you fair, that. They, fair. They've won five in a row. They wouldn't have lost those two cheap ones early. They'd be nine and three right now. So I'd, true. Okay. Okay. Coach, Coach Pruitt's got them rolling, but uh, but yeah, back to Georgia. I mean, they're they're tied with Clemson, first in the nation, allowing ten points a game, and second in the nation, allowing seventy rushing yards. So. Their defense doesn't give up points, but I think I think Joe Burrow will get enough. And you're right. I, I, there's I just, even against LSU's defenses. I mean, they, they still say it's it's been been pretty bad, is what the media says. But I just I think the injuries have banged them up. I just don't see them. I don't see Georgia scoring 24 on LSU. I think yeah, I think 27 to 30 is my magic number. If LSU gets that, I'd, I'd be pretty comfortable if I was them. I don't see it either. I think Burrow is going to prove. Once again, that he's the number one pick, that he's the Heisman. I think LSU wins this one, but I think, but I think it'll be close because of the defense. I think it'll be twenty-four seventeen LSU. I like that. I could see that for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go thirty-five fourteen. I think it's gonna be a smackdown. Honestly, I, I think, yeah, I think that LSU minus sevens. I think that's too low. No respect for for the old neighbor in in, in Coach Kirby, but uh, m- moving on, we we got to move on to the final rematch of the conference championship. We got Baylor versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma came back in this first matchup. Uh, they were down twenty eight to three. They came all the way back and beat Baylor uh, at Baylor thirty four thirty one. They get a rematch early game. Taylor twelve o'clock on ABC. Uh, kind of what do you think is going to happen in, in this one? I still think Baylor's a good squad. Uh, I think they, they've got they've got a good defense. They play pretty physical. Uh, I like Charlie I like Charlie Brewer, but at the same time, I like Jalen Hurts and Lincoln. It's hard to bet against those guys. But uh, I think it's going to be another great match matchup. We had a great one a couple weeks ago with these two teams, and I think. Uh, I, I really don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I think Baylor could sneak it out late, but uh, I, it's hard for me to bet against Lincoln and Jalen. Jalen has scored 49 touchdowns this year total. He's had 31 through the air, 18 through the ground. Good gracious. He's ran – this number just can't be right. I know it is right, but it can't be right. On 196 carries, he's ran for 1,217 yards. That's absurd. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I I don't I'm, I don't know what to say. So, I think it's really hard to bet against Jalen and Lincoln Riley. 
But I think Baylor's coming out for revenge because I think in the first game it proved to them, hey, even even though they lost in heartbreaking fashion, they can compete and dominate this Oklahoma team for stretches at a time. And yeah, they uh... in, in in on a neutral field, obviously they won't be home, but on on a neutral field down in in Arlington, I feel like that's closer to Waco than Norman, Oklahoma is. Right? It, it's got to be uh, that they could get a lot of fans there. And pack Jerry's world, and I don't know. Because we've been picking all the favorites, I'll say Baylor's going to win this one 38-35. 38-35. What's the, do you know what the line is on this one? Yeah, Oklahoma's favored by nine. Ooh, yeah, I'd, I'd take Baylor. I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a close game. I think nine is too many points. I just don't think that it's too many points. I just don't think it's enough respect for Baylor. Because, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Because, because obviously, you know, they're setting the line. They also have to make sure enough people bet both sides. And Oklahoma's going to get way more bets than Baylor just because of the casual football fan. Correct. And, but I just think Baylor's good. I just think that they're good. And I know Oklahoma's really good, and they probably have the better quarterback. But there's just something about that first matchup that was a little fluky from Oklahoma coming all the way back. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, they I mean, Baylor dominated that first half. Like, seriously, Charlie Brewer looked great, and, and they just they, they were making plays. Like I said, that defense, that defense was very, very physical. They were coming up and hitting. You can see it. Uh, so I, 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 I like this Baylor team. Uh, I think if they, if they come to play like they did that night and, and they play like that for 60 minutes, I think I think they'll be holding the trophy in Jerry world, Jerry's world. All right, so we both got Baylor. Moving on. Last conference championship game. This is on Friday night. Friday night football. Friday night lights at the Niner Stadium at Levi Stadium out in Santa Clara. We got the Utah Utes against the Oregon Ducks. Oregon. Also, I would like to say because we didn't pod last week. Oregon did get upset. I, I did mention the two favorites were out in Arizona. And Oregon did lose. I don't know if I predicted it, but I definitely highlighted it. Highlighted that matchup, so I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. I think Utah wins this game. I think Utah wins, and they get into the playoff with this win because I think they will beat Oregon handily. It won't be a blowout, but it will be a good, solid win. I, uh, uh, I agree. I think this is going to be I think it's going to be a good game, honestly. I think Oregon can come out and show that they're, they're still, you know, they're, they're not giving up on this year, but I'm excited to see Utah in, in a game that, for they, I mean, they control their own destiny as long as, I mean, they do their job and I mean, what we think is going to happen with LSU beating Georgia, they're, they're, they're clearly in the playoffs. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Utah can do. and I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I, think, I think the Utes will squeak it out and, and get that Pac-12 team back in the playoffs first time since, what, 2016, I think, Washington. Yeah, first time since Washington, since when, when they got blown out by, they played Alabama, got blown out. Vegas has this one at Utah by six. What's more interesting to me is they have the over-under at 47 and a half. They are not expecting a lot of points. And I think a lot of that has to do with this Utah defense, which is for people who haven't been watching a lot of Utah football, they are ridiculously good. They had that one really bad game against USC with USC's third-string quarterback. But their defense is full of NFL players and is really good. Yeah, no, they're, 
the, their defense is legit, just like we were talking about for uh, for uh, Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Yeah, but uh, yeah, their defense is legit. Uh, not many people have seen them. I think, uh, like you said, that USC game is kind of fluky. It's it's kind of. I mean, I've seen it live. When I mean, when you play a third string quarterback and you got no film on them, it's it's you know you never know really how to guard him or what's going to happen. So it's. I think that one you kind of got to throw out a little bit, but their 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 defense is legit. They're what I think they're number one in rushing, number three in uh, points allowed at eleven. With same thing with Georgia and, and Ohio State and Clemson, so they're they're right there. They uh, the way they played this year, they definitely deserve to be in discussion. And and if they take care of business in uh, in Santa Clara, then they're they're they'll be sitting back watching Saturday and cheering on the Tigers. For sure, and this Utah defense has tons of NFL players. Two, two guys to mention is Jalen Johnson, cornerback, shut down, and Bradley Anae. I think that's how you say it, A-N-A-E. Yep. He has 12 and a half sacks this year. Ridiculous. He's going to be making a lot of money rushing the passer. I can see them going after Justin Herbert and making his life miserable on Friday night and elevating some of the concerns people have about Herbert as a pro prospect. Yeah, they're he's uh their run defense is pretty ferocious. Yeah, Bradley and they, how you said it. Uh, I mean, the, the twelve sacks is that's absurd. I mean, he's a senior. That's uh he's been in there twelve games. Just, in in twelve yeah. games too. So that's like a sack a game. Yeah, I mean, he had he had eight last year and seven the year before too. So I mean, he's he's been around the block as well. But yeah, twelve and a fourth fumble. It's that's it's a pretty impressive season. So we both got Utah on this one. So just to recap, we both have Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Baylor, and Utah. That's who we think is going to win. Moving on to the rankings. They just got released about an hour before we started recording. Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4, Utah 5, Oklahoma 6. Clearly the committee is setting it up for... Obviously, if Georgia loses, they are out. Uh, and either Utah or Oklahoma will get in if they win. The chaos would be Georgia loses and Baylor wins. Does Baylor leapfrog Oklahoma, Utah, and Georgia and get in? Only if Oregon beats Utah. I think that's the only way. I think, yeah, I think these top six, kind of seven, eight, they kind of came out what we really thought that was going to happen Wisconsin jumping that that's kind of that was a little uh a little more than we thought but I mean it's I mean it's, it's down to these seven teams and Baylor would be the only chaos if, if like you said if LSU takes care of business and Oregon upsets Utah on that Friday night that Baylor's Baylor's right there in the driver's seat yeah so was sure. a winner of that game and I mean, that's they're sliding in there but uh if, like we said before, if Georgia wins, then we're not having a change in the top four no matter what happens in those top three games. Yeah, and so just how it is now in terms of matchups, we would have Ohio State versus Georgia, LSU-Clemson. Can we not have LSU-Clemson in the first weekend? Because that's the championship game. Yeah. That's, those are the two I, best teams. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I still, I'm, I'm hating all this disrespect LSU's getting. It's 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 kind of crazy. I mean, their, their schedule to me has been way tougher, and they played way more impressive on offense. To, uh, for them to get a matchup like that, uh, it makes me pretty mad, honestly. 
the Tua Alabama team that they beat is better than any team Ohio Ohio State has beat this year. Yep. And it's not close. I agree. Going into Tuscaloosa and doing that against, I mean, the other guy that they were going to say is going to be the number one pick. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I, I hate that they, I mean, the disrespect they're getting. Hopefully the committee will make the matchups what we want because it obviously doesn't matter what seed you are. All that matters is that you're in the top four. So we were going to do a little coaching carousel, but we're just going to move on to the NFL. Game of the week, according to the NFL, was Pat's Texans. Takeaways, Taylor, from this one. Uh, I honestly, family was still in town, so I wasn't able to watch a lot of it. I kind of just had it up on the laptop next to me. But uh, what I saw is, I mean, same thing we've been seeing in the past couple of weeks uh, with this Patriots offense. They, they need playmakers. They've got to have somebody on that edge where it's not forcing Brady and Edelman to just work, I mean, together. I mean, that's what Edelman, I mean, if Edelman was your number two, that would be a, I mean, huge difference, a huge relief for him, too. It's just, I feel like, I mean, the only trust Brady has is to Edelman, and I just, I just don't think Edelman's a one. Uh, they, they, they're missing those playmakers, and I think it's it's becoming obvious. Yeah. So not only is it at the issue of just the playmakers, but the defense is getting scored on. This is not the all-world defense we all thought it was. Uh, I mean, they put up some points, but we're looking at. I mean, it looks like the total yards. I mean, they only had 276. So I don't. Like I said, I'm going to have to rewatch the game to kind of see exactly how the Texans scored. But uh, their defense, I mean, they, they, they've shown vulnerability, but I just I still think I still think it's more the offense. I think they I think their defense plays good enough to keep them in the games where the offense has got to they, – they've, they've got to find a way to change to not where just play catch-up. And I do think it is tough psych- psychologically. You do see it with – you see it with the Rams and the Bears with – it's hard psychologically for the defenses to play so hard when they know that there's a limit to how much the offense can score. Yeah, the just I mean, they they, they need they, both teams need the offenses to find a way and, and pick up. They uh, the Rams starting to play a little better, but it's it's their defense is playing too much for the Pats right now. That's I mean that's like they're saving grace and and then Tom needs some help. And I think he's he's getting a little frustrated. You can kind of see it a little bit. Uh, I heard you saw it last week in the game, and it's just—I'm not ready to—I'm not selling, you know, all my Patriots stock yet for sure. But uh, just because it is Patriots and Tom, but uh, I think they—they—they they, they need to something needs to change. I—I uh, I bet they're missing Josh Gordon right now. Honestly, they—they—they they, uh, they need somebody because Ravens. I mean, Ravens look unbeatable right now. I mean. Like I said, I mean, Texans are still a sneaky team in the AFC. It's just Chiefs as well. They just – Patriots just don't look like the same Patriots we've been seeing. And it kind of reminds me of the way we talk about Brady now. It is the way we talk about Steph Curry where when they win, it's like Steph is back. He's awesome. And when they lose, it's like he's hurt. It's like when the Pats win, it's Brady's awesome. And when the Pats lose, he's washed. Like it can't be yep. – this extreme one week to to another there's reasons why they could win or lose and he's not washed he's just no longer one of the five best quarterbacks in the league but he's not washed no not at all he just like you said if he if he had the weapons 
around him that he's kind of used to or that he's had, uh, I think it'd be a different story. Also on the other side, Deshaun played really well. What do you think of Deshaun now? Where do you rank him in your quarterback tiers? I definitely think he's approaching that top, top tier. Yeah, I think he's... I think he was one that, I mean, we saw in college that had the potential to be a superstar, and he's he's starting to tap into that. I, I mean, we know he's got excellent weapons around him with receiver with Hopkins and and uh, other and uh, other guys around him, but uh, they just he's he's coming. He's knocking the door on the superstars, and I think he's right at that that top tier. Yeah, when when Will Fuller is healthy, he's really good, and the Kenny Stills addition was a good guy for for the Huge. slot. But uh, he's definitely helped me in my fantasy league this year. Just solid eight to ten <laughs> points a week. But I think the Texans are a team to watch. They're supposed to get JJ Watt back this postseason, which I think could be a huge, huge boost uh, for them in, in January. And this could be the year that they either decide, "Hey, we need to move on from Bill O'Brien because we have talent, but just we need something else to get us over the hump," or they actually get over the hump. And I think it's going to be the they're going to move on from Bill O'Brien, but uh, time will tell. Yep. We'll see if he can climb that hurdle. That's that uh, that's kind of been his his thorn is just all the coaching mistakes he makes. But now he's gonna he's got the team right now that actually could be make moves. So it's it's going to be all on him. So next next team in game, you mentioned the Ravens versus 49ers. They look unstoppable, as you said. Lamar does it again. They win 20, I think it was 2017 in overtime. It was a rainy, rainy day in Baltimore. The Ravens are now the number one seed in the AFC. The Niners, their second loss of the season. What do you make of the Ravens? Are they truly Super Bowl favorites now? Because they've beaten both the Pats and the Niners, who I had as the top one and two teams in the league going into this week. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're legitimate. Uh, they're... they're I think they are the Super Bowl contender right now. I think uh, everybody else kind of has to knock them off from the AFC side. Uh, it was like you say, it was, it was uh, Justin Tucker hit the game winner right in regulation this this uh, this past week. But uh, the way Lamar's been playing, I mean, he's uh, he's up there. I think it's between him and Russell for the MVP, and uh, they're just they they kind of they just remind me of that that Panthers team in 2015 where they're just. They're just bigger, stronger, just just kind of just running through everybody right now. And it just doesn't seem like anybody can catch them. And they can't really do anything wrong. It's like every break is going their way. Uh, it feels like one of those magical seasons. It reminds me a lot of the Red Sox in 2018, where literally every decision and everything that Alex Cora tried to do worked out perfectly. It feels like that this year for the Baltimore Ravens. Like Marcus Peters was considered like a – bad teammate and the locker room cancer out in LA and he's just been awesome since he's come to Baltimore it's like they're just getting these guys who no one else wanted and it's just like oh wait he's actually still really good and they're helping them win a lot of big football games I don't yeah I, I think John Harbaugh deserves so much credit to it. Uh, I think he had, I don't understand how I don't think he's won a coach of the year before and that, that makes no sense to me I think he's a fantastic coach and it's showing this year that I mean seems like players love him and it's just the He's just he wins those big games too. I just I think he's a very underrated coach, and 
they they they're the team to beat right now. So we can we're going to talk about the Niners in the, in the next segments. So we can talk more about them. Seahawks Vikings was on Monday night last night. Great great game. Russell Wilson I think sealed his MVP case against the Vikings on Monday night. He was awesome, except for that one freak play where the ball gets batted back towards him. He tries to smack it down to the ground, but he just couldn't get on top of the ball. And I know all the jokes on Twitter was about how, like, oh, all the scouts were right, that he was too short for the position. It's finally caught up, and it's finally turned right. But, like, that's such a freak, weird play that he got to return for a touchdown. He was awesome the whole night, except for that literally one play because he's not good at playing volleyball, apparently. Uh, but he was awesome. I think it's – he said, hey, I know what Lamar's doing, and I know how ridiculous he is, but don't forget about me. Yeah, it was, last night's game was, was fantastic. They they dominated Seattle, and Russell was making plays all over. I mean, they just – they looked so physical to me. Uh, both sides of the ball, they just – they were just running all over them, and I was, I was, I was kind of shocked. I mean – uh, I thought Minnesota would they put up a fight at the end but I mean it was kind of just I mean got a couple of lucky bounces here especially with the pick six like you were saying that free play but uh, Seattle Seattle's legit <laughs> it took me until this week to finally buy into them but they they are a legitimate Super Bowl team got a great coach great quarterback uh, history of best, I mean, history of success too in, in the exactly. last 10 years not the best players. Uh, I think their personnel isn't. I mean, definitely better on the other squads. But I think they are. They are. They're playing their best football right now. They are hot, hot. And you know, it's they're just when when you watch them play, it's they're in a really tough division with the Rams and the Niners. But they already beat the Niners. They're the best team in that division. I'm surprised that you said it, it took so long for you to really buy into them. I just yeah I know I, I've got a couple Seahawks fans at work and I just I told them today I was like all right I'm officially on board but uh, <laughs> it just yeah I just I don't know I just all the close wins with me just seemed like it was just only Russell and I was never a big fan of their personnel I just the way they played last night against I think a really really good Minnesota team still and I still do right now I mean uh, they 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 dominated that game and I was very very impressed. Also, the most amazing stat was that ESPN showed was after the game. Did you know Kirk Cousins is now 0 for 8 in his career on Monday Night Football? Not that like the no Monday idea. Night Football <laughs> thing like fact really matters, but that's amazing. <laughs> that's insane to me. I saw that too, and I was I was shocked. I, I, I couldn't believe that at all. I, knew, just, I mean. I'll, I knew Prime's on Kurt, but but that is that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's just the example of just it's the narrative around Cousins is the prime time matchups against good teams, and you know while he's been in the league, it's not like Monday Football has been prime time matchups of elite teams, but it's you know it's it builds the case against Kirk Cousins, you know that he's zero for eight on Monday Night Football. Yep. Uh... And like I said, I still think they've got a great team, but Kirk's just got this weird thing that primetime Kirk's a real deal. I still think he played, I mean, pretty well last night. I mean, the loss wasn't totally on him, but, uh, yeah, he just, I don't know, when the big lights come out, he kind of, he just kind of fades a little bit, and Russell came out and showed, and they, uh, Kirk had his opportunities, and they just kind of, Seattle's defense just prevailed. Yeah, so... 
Speaking of another team who struggles in prime time, the Cowboys of Dallas are in disarray right now. <laughs> they got destroyed by the Patriots in a classic terrible weather in Foxborough that Belichick and Brady have played in and have won dozens of times. And Dak looked rattled. Uh, uh, Jason Garrett didn't want looked like he didn't want to be there. And then on the short week, because they always play play on Thanksgiving, the Bills come to town and they get bullied by the Bills, which is something you never really think you would expect to hear, but they got bullied by the Buffalo Bills. You got guys on the Bills' sideline talking trash to the fans, doing the Dak Prescott dance. Like It was an ugly performance from, from the Cowboys, and Jerry Jones is not happy. He's made that very clear in the media with his statements. He is not happy. He's doing the thing where he's saying that He's sure that Jason Garrett will be a coach in the NFL next year, not saying he'll be our coach next year, but just that he will be a coach, which is like, okay, yeah, he'll probably, you know, he's a little old to completely change his profession, so he'll still be a coach next year. It's like clear, it's like, but he's not going to be for us. Yeah, they, I mean, that's, Jason Garrett's old. That's a, that's a whole other conversation I can get into for sure, but uh, Dallas, Dallas got dominated by Buffalo that Thursday night. Uh I didn't get to see much of the game either, that one, but... Uh, it's tough on Thanksgiving, uh, like, depending on when you're eating and stuff, but... Yeah, Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo's defense, I think I've seen that they're top three in rush, top three in uh, yards per play, so I just... Buffalo's defense is very, very good, but still, it's... I mean, Cowboys at home, you, you got to find a way to, with to put still, some points on the board. With still a really I mean, good offensive line and a solid defense, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, they... Their defense is still, I mean, we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, how their defense is just underperformed all year. But you just can't have the, can't have the turnovers. The uh, turnovers, and I think they had one in the red zone. Might have been two, I can't remember. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a big deal. And and uh, Buffalo didn't do that. Josh Allen, he uh, looks like he played pretty well. But uh, I just, Dallas, Dallas is still there. They're still in the hunt for, for their division at what six and six right now, so yep, we'll, we'll see. They'll, they'll end up hosting somebody pretty big. Well, and, I mean, well, they could go eight and eight and win the NFC East and host potentially Seattle. That's what yeah. And the four or five game or San Francisco, like it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be whoever doesn't win the NFC West is going to have to go play at Dallas. Because because I think Dallas is still going to win the division. Because I think Philly just has a lot to figure out. Uh, with yeah. that with that team and that roster and that coach, like losing to the Dolphins, the way that they did to Fitzpatrick and giving up that many points is just it's embarrassing. Yeah, and and good luck to Dallas against Niners or Seattle because both those teams will probably run all over you. That's, oh yeah, because they're just yeah, so much that, faster and way more physical. But looking ahead, I know you got to go. Looking ahead to Week 14, I pointed, I highlighted. Three marquee games. We got the Ravens versus the Bills first. I think the Ravens are going to pull this one out, but I think this one's going to be really close, and I can't wait to see Lamar against another really good defense. You got the Pats, the Niners, and now the Bills. Maybe the three best defenses in the league. Definitely the two best in the AFC. I'm excited to see what Lamar can do against them. Yeah, like you said, I can't wait for this game. Uh, In Buffalo, crowd's going to be electric. Defense has been playing great. Josh Allen's been playing great against 
an unstoppable machine in the Ravens right now. So I think it's going to be a great, great football game. I can't wait. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to Josh Allen too because he's surpassed all of my expectations for him already. Second game, we got the Niners and the Saints. The two, I think the two best teams in, in the NFC. Or at least two of, two of the three because you could throw Seattle in there. I think the Niners yeah. beat the Saints. I, yeah, as a Saints fan, I'm, I'm leaning Niners too. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just Niners has been that, that offense, man. They, they've just been setting the tone with the run game. And I decide, I don't know, Saints defense has been, been very good this year too, but I just, I don't know. I think the Niners are going to have their way, and I think that D line is going to get to Drew. Uh, I think Saints had a couple injuries on the O line. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I decided that's going to be a fantastic game in the in the dome too, and can't wait to see it. We got two two noon games, two one p.m. games that are huge, huge to start the day on Sunday. And you know, I also think too that the I think the Niners will be able to limit Kamara and Latavius Murray in the running game, and make Breeze throw the ball even faster than he likes to. Because Breeze does love getting the ball out really quick to Kamara and Michael Thomas. Like how like how many times do you ever see Michael Thomas catch a nine yard slant for first downs? Like before it's 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 absurd how he's just so open all the time on that literally the every same time, route. every game. <laughs> uh but I think the Niners defense will fluster the Saints a little bit just enough. And I think Jimmy G Shows up in big games, shows up in big moments. They dominate the Packers. Yes, that was at home. But the one thing I'd be worried about is, again, the Niners have to fly west to east for a 1 p.m. East Coast start. Yep, that's I, a great point. And it's, that's a real factor. It's a different breed in the Dome, too. Yes, for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game, and it's going to probably determine who gets that home field advantage. 100%, which is crucial, especially from the Saints, where playing in that dome, as you said, it's a different experience. It's it's a They have the best home field advantage, maybe besides Seattle. They're competing for who gets that one seed, and the road to the Super Bowl goes through either the 12 out in Seattle and that famous crowd at CenturyLink or down at the dome. But last game, I think this one is either 425. I think this one's at 425. Mahomes against Belichick, Mahomes against Brady, Chiefs, Pats. I really, really think that the Chiefs, or I really want the Chiefs to win, but I think the Pats bounce back. The Chiefs can't really stop the run. I think it's going to be a big Sony Michelle game from the Pats. I'm probably going to start him this week in fantasy because of that. And I think that the Pats win by doing what the Colts were able to do and the Titans, which is run the ball control the clock and keep Mahomes off the field. Though I do think Mahomes is going to put up some points in, in this one because he's just so good. Yes. Uh, this is yeah. This is the bounce back game for New England, I think, too. I think they're going to make a statement on that afternoon game where everybody's going to be watching in New England. And uh, I think they're going to, I think they're going to put it on that Chiefs defense. Uh, I know the offense has been struggling, but I think they're going to, they're going to do something. And, you know, Belichick's going to have the, uh, the defense ready for Patty Mahomes. I'm just excited to see what wrinkles Belichick brings out to, against Mahomes because when Belichick plays the best, he brings out the best. Like when he had to go up against Peyton Manning and Payne's prime, like that was usually the best games that the Pats have played because they get to bring out and all the little tricks 
tricks Belichick is saving against truly like the best of the best. So I'm really looking forward to see what, what he brings out to, to face Mahomes. So, do you have Taylor? Anything else uh, you want to mention or throw in? I know you got to get going, but uh, yeah, uh, nothing much. Just excited to see these college games this weekend and these great NFL games leading into the best time of the year of football. Wherever we're heading to the postseason and Christmas time, so uh, just excited to kick up on the couch this weekend and watch these great games. Yep, can't. Can't wait. It'll be a great little treat before finals week for me here at school. But, uh, Taylor, thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to talking to you next week uh, to recap all these great college games and, as you said, the, the NFL games. And, you know, the, ho- hopefully we're going to get some chaos this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, Taylor, thanks thanks again for, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. See you, David. And before we wrap up the pod today, uh, just wanted to give – Everyone, an update. Uh, Kelly's doing great, but unfortunately, his new job, uh, he won't be able to come back on the podcast for at least you know a few months or maybe ever. So we just want to here at the Double Doubles give a big thank you to Kelly. Uh, Kelly, obviously, and I created this. We had help from, obviously, Harry Rafferty and Jordan Sears, but it was me and Kelly who really just took it over and a, a lot of it goes to the a lot of the credit goes to Kelly for uh, really jump starting it and figuring out you know because we already t- we always talked about this but just how exactly do we do this do we Skype and FaceTime and edit on GarageBand and it was Kelly who really uh, took the initiative of editing while I was still in school and doing a lot of my uh, physical therapy for, for after my hip surgery and just really, really just took the bull by the reins and got the edits and really researched the microphones we use now so as our audio quality really improved and researched a lot of the guests and really was all over the the booking some of the early guests like Nicole Arbach and Jay Gomes and Coach Kevin Ryan and a lot of my favorite guests that we did really early on and helped us really find our groove. A lot of that, all the credit goes to uh, Kelly. So just wanted to give a big... Uh, Shout out to him and thank him for everything he's done so far. Uh, he definitely, you know, this we're still really good friends. Uh, we still text all the time about sports, and I'll definitely be throwing out, you know, some mentions to him about, hey, he was right about this. This is what he's thinking, even if he can't necessarily come on the podcast. Uh, just kind of just referencing our conversation, so people still get some of Kelly Hogan's great views and opinions on the sports world. Uh, I'm definitely going to miss him. Uh, but just really wanted to thank him for everything and teaching me how to do this and growing together with me and building this thing. And we're going to, I'm just going to try to keep it going. We got Taylor every week and during the football season, we're going to see if he's able to do it in the basketball season too, but you know, we're going to grow and adapt and adjust and keep building and, you know, finding new and new people to talk about and talk with and, you know, if Kelly is ever able to come back on the podcast in the future, the the double double is his home. This is this is his baby, and he'll be, he'll be back, and it'll be like nothing ever happened. So, just wanted to give just wanted to give the people a a uh, 
an update on where he is because he hasn't been on the podcast since really September. So uh, that's kind of what's been going on. And now that it's official with the with the new job and everything, just wanted to let everyone know and really just thank Kelly for everything uh, he's done in helping the, this podcast get to where it is and just for being a great friend. So as he loved to say, we're gonna, everyone take care and make it a great day. 